Tiger Medical Education Podcast listeners. This is Kevin Eda, the Editor-in-Chief of the Journal, coming to you today with our annual celebration of what we call the State of the Science issue. Those who've been reading the journal for a while will know that it's a particularly special issue for us as we try to gather insightful articles from very select author groups who can offer an overview on timely issues in the field. This year's effort was prompted and co-led by Janet Grant, Danette McKinley, and Jack Boulay in collaboration with me and the other editors and reviewers of the journal. It's going to focus on quality improvement issues and variety of you know issues that surround health professional education's efforts to continually engage in quality improvement. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with one of the authors who contributed to that issue, Eliana Amaral, who is a professor of obstetrics and head of the research nucleus on assessment and evaluation for health professional education at the University of Campinas in Brazil. And Eliana and John Rocini have a paper entitled Quality Assurance in Health Professions Education, Role of Accreditation and Licensure that will be in that January 2023 issue. Eliana, welcome Thanks for making the time. I know holiday season is coming up quickly and you're very busy as you try to get ready for it. Uh, no, thank you. Thank you very much for the invitation. It's a great pleasure to be here and talk to you and to the listeners of this podcast. Yeah, it's wonderful to see and I guess for everybody else to hear you. And I wanted to talk about this in part because we've set this issue around the notion of quality improvement and how we can continue to get better as a field in a variety of different ways, as I just alluded to. When we get into issues of accreditation and licensure, as your title implies, the focus is commonly quality assurance. And those things have waxed and waned between being in conflict and being used to support one another. I'm going to ask you to sort of share your views on that, but maybe just before I do that, I should ask you to tell our listeners about what quality assurance looks like in Brazil and whether or not there are particular aspects that you think people need to understand to appreciate the conversation that we're about to have. Oh, for sure. I have to tell you, I think we started with a complicated question because what happened in Brazil in terms of quality assurance in medical education particularly, we have in Brazil a national system that is our quality assurance system and in fact is the system that recognizes the programs and then accredits the institutions. And this national system has suffered a little bit in the last years in terms of reducing the quality of the process. But the complex situation in Brazil is that we had such a big rise in the number of medical schools in the last years. For the people who are listening and you, if you are not aware, Brazil has almost 360 medical schools. And this number really was a crazy increase in the last years. Well, so what happened is that because of this increase, and it was among our public institutions, federal institutions, and private institutions, the system is not being able to follow in terms of quality assurance of the system. And we also have state process going on, and they take responsibility over schools that are state-based or municipal-based, and like it happened in my school, uh, the University of Campinas and others 
are state universities in Sao Paulo. So we don't follow exactly the same system as the federal system. So we have our system, but it's not specific for medical school. Use it not to be. So we are trying to make it more specific. Related to, and almost in the same time, then we had this request from the World Federation on Medical Education. Another system was set in Brazil by the Federal Council of Medicine, initially in association with the Brazilian Association of Medical Schools or Medical Colleges. And this system that we call SAEME, S-A-E-M-E, SAEME is not the public official system, you know, from the Ministry of Education or from the state. It's a parallel system of accreditation that makes a very good work in terms of self-reflection of the institutions, but does not have the power to decide uh, about the future of schools and programs. So what we have is an official system that is responsible for saying, okay, can continue like that, or okay, you are good enough, and another system that doesn't have this power. And in this confusing situation we have with this increase of schools, we do have to do better in Brazil in terms of making them work together in a way. So we hope that in near future we can make it more a consensus on that. <laughs> So you're describing a tension between different levels of oversight, I suppose, in some ways. And within that context, you described a number of tensions in the paper and just how difficult it is to grapple with engaging assurance activities effectively. Can I start by asking about that improvement versus assurance tension? How are people managing that in your context? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I started saying, the assurance system that is official in Brazil help improvement, but of course it's not the main issue that they were focusing on, I mean the official system. And what happened is that the literature, and same happens here, more and more we understand that they have to come together in a way. Because what is really important is to guarantee that people understand what is minimal and excellence indifference. So it's not only about minimal, but we have to expect the excellence. So people must follow the instructions or experiences that we have. So good practices for excellence. And this is the point where we have to move, in my view, more and more into the system. So assuring quality to guarantee to the public that they have a good professional. I think it's good, but it's not enough. We have to go further. It's necessary. And the system has to guarantee that. So the situation I was exposing about Brazil, we are struggling with the first part that is assuring quality, but improvement has to be inside because there is no way that we only focus on one side of the coin. And is the focus generally on trying to encourage those 360 schools to adopt similar processes or is the... Yeah, yeah. Of course, as I said, the official system is, is in place for assurance, but in fact gives directions and people will follow directions and they have to show in a time that they improved. The question is that when they are more focusing on 
assurance. They they are trying to reach the minimum and not the maximum. So when we are talking about quality improvement, we use more good examples to inspire people than exactly to say, well, you have to do because of this or that. This increase in schools in Brazil is very recent. So we have many, many medical schools that didn't finish the six-year program because in Brazil, med school is six years program. We have a lot of them. So what we are doing in the state of Sao Paulo, where I'm the head for the committee in the state for that, we are setting the intermediate evaluation process where we are giving directions and then when they are finishing the six-year program, we are again make another evaluation based on the points that we highlighted before and see what's going on. So being more close to the schools, particularly the new schools, because they need the, the support. Well, I guess what I'm wondering is how you've grappled with the issue of there's not one right way of running a medical education program. And I presume across those different jurisdictions you're talking about, there are local affordances that might make a strategy yeah. better for school A than for school B. So they might approach education in different ways, even though they're trying to achieve similar goals. How have you tried to strike that balance between taking advantage of the contextual benefits while at the same time you know, offering some general oversight yeah. and improvement for all? Okay. We do have in Brazil what we call directives for the medical program. So we have some basics that everybody has to follow. And in general, the doctor should be able to be a, what we call generalist, so someone who is able to offer primary care and offer emergency care as examples, because in Brazil, different from other countries, we don't have the licensure. So they finish their med school, they have their diploma, the diploma, the certificate is registered in our regional council of medicine and they can practice the day that follows. Like today is the ceremony in my school. So tomorrow they can be on call somewhere. <laughs> so what means that? Means that we as schools, we are demanded to prepare someone who is able to do that. So we know the image that we have to reach. Sometimes as you said, you can take different ways, but some basics have to be the same. So some schools, of course, they have more money, they will have a more expensive support in terms like simulation with this fancy and mannequins and things, and others will not. But our students, they do have a very close contact with the primary health care in Brazil, you know, we have this health system that is a demand for them to be trained from primary to tertiary, and so they have to follow this path. So even if there are differences, we have to take into account epidemiology, the conditions, and etc. So what is important, as an example, you have to have a good agreement with the health system for your students to be there. Show me how they will be supervised. Show me that you have hospitals where they can be trained with inpatient care, obstetrics, my case, where they can go for deliveries and labor. And what is the agreement between the school and the hospital well set with supervision? So 
these parameters, they are part of the regulatory system anyway. Well, and, and there's you know, also a tension you highlight in the paper between evaluation strategies that are very continuous versus episodic and then advantages, disadvantages to both. How have you tried to wrap your head around where the sweet spot is along that continuum? Yeah, I think it's a kind of evolution that we have this continuum evaluation that is not very episodic, as you mentioned. In the regulatory system, is very episodic. So the change for another perspective is a cultural change for institutions. As I mentioned, my position at the med school now is exactly to design a way that the school is all the time looking for quality improvement, taking data and taking opportunities to see what happened and to make all the community to participate. So it's a very intense and need infrastructure. So it will be possible for big schools, not possible for small schools where they don't have these resources. But I think what is important is trying to create this culture of continuous evaluation and feedback for the institution. And I think this is the point that we have to work. And sometimes accreditation per se comes with an image that is only episodic and it's only, you know, I come here, I stamp you and that's it. And then when I return five years later, okay, six months before you start running, preparing painting. <laughs> <laughs> and then everything will be very nice. To give an, a very recent example, our school has just gone through the process of this other system that is SIEM in Brazil. And one of the comments that the evaluators made, they said, well, two things. First, we feel that you are all happy with the institution. So the climate is very good for professors and for students. But the other part that they said, we felt that you were not trying to paint your walls. You were able to tell exactly how you feel, what happened, how happened. So reducing this climate of Accreditation is coming, accreditation is coming. I think it's very important and we know that it's very stressful. In other parts of the world, it's very expensive as well. It's not the case up to now in Brazil. There's no cost for that. It will be in future for sure, but there is no cost. So we have now people who are specialists on coming to schools to help them prepare. So become a business huh? <laughs> because it's a big issue of the accreditation, we have to be nice and that is scored. We have to change this environment. <laughs> well, and that's, a, I think, a really nice reflection of one of the reasons I think this paper is very broadly relevant is it's a minority of people in our field who work in regulation or accreditation per se, but many people are impacted by it. But the tensions you were just describing where people feel compelled to put forward their best impression because they feel some degree of threat, that's relevant to any health professional when they're being regulated, not just when they're involved yeah. in the regulating processes themselves. So I'm going to encourage listeners to pick up this paper and read it both for the insight that it provides into how to build a regulatory system, but also how we might as individuals engage ourselves and help support our students to better understand the tensions and the values that you just espoused in terms of continuously trying to 
get better. So with that as sort of a tying together theme and what I've just heard you say, can I ask you to wrap up by offering your insights into what you would recommend others prioritize if they are in a position of having to think through how can they learn from your experience to try to improve their own accreditation or relationship processes? Yeah, I think one comment that I didn't mention, I think it's important to put in place as well, is the licensure issue. Because as I said, in Brazil, there is no licensure. And if we start from this point, it will be a disaster, of course, because we have this increase in med schools. We know the difficult to have supervision for these people, particularly in the training part. In Brazil, the two last years of our med school, they are internship and it's real internship. So they will be working under supervision. So this supervision is a very important part of the problem. So we don't have the licensure. So we are really uh, worried about the quality of these people. But Brazil is forming 36,000 medical doctors per year. So it's the number of posts that we have to start. If we start to assess quality in the licensing exam, we may have a big part of this 36,000 not able to practice. And this is a very big issue. We have to start immediately assuring the quality of their problem. Because in this case, if we do that, they will have been paying six years of medical school to understand that then they are not prepared. So you see the tension? Of course, we have to license because the public needs to be guaranteed that the medical doctors are prepared. On the other hand, if we start only from licensure, being very serious about that, then we have a cohort, a, long, a big cohort that cannot make it. What is different from North America, where the accreditation system is hard and people know that the approval rate is very high. So it's a different situation. So what would be my recommendation? I think that both have to start very close, starting accreditation very serious with the participation of schools in the system, the understanding the point, and in today's school, putting together all the community to understand the importance. In our school, we have been training the students. They have a kind of faculty development, but it's for students. So <laughs> we developed them in the issues and they became our best partners in many senses because now they have the vocabulary, they understand the system. So even for the same discussion, they were also impressed with the number of students participating and being so clear about the situation and helping them improve the problem. So to answer your question in a more objective way, I think accreditation has to start hard, but not only for assurance, has to be for improvement, has to include all the community inside of the medical school. We have to listen to the public about accreditation as well. I think this is the piece missing sometimes. So the voice of the public and following that we can then put also steps and let's talk about steps steps in the way where people have to show that they are acquiring the minimum that is necessary so there in brazil at least there is a lot to do but we have to be careful 
or we are going to throw the baby with the water <laughs> from the... <laughs> Yes, always such a great risk and appreciate the guidance you offer in the paper with respect to how to avoid doing that. So we'll commend it to others who are interested and you'll find it in the January 2023 issue of Medical Education under the title Quality Assurance in Health Professions Education, Role of Accreditation and Licensure. First author is Eliana Amaral, who you've been listening to and very grateful for having shared your insights and experiences with us. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. I hope it is useful, the paper and this conversation. Absolutely. I'm certain it is. And I wish you the best of luck with these ongoing developments as you yourself continue to engage in quality improvement. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Thanks, Eliana. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin.